This is the Mahabharata Podcast, Episode 65, Kurukshetra, Days 5 and 6. Last time, we covered the third and fourth days of the war. It made sense to group those two days together, because on both days, the Pandavas seemed to have gained the upper hand. Bhima is clearly 100% committed to seeing this through, while Arjun is slowly beginning to see the light, and is beginning to get serious about victory. Not that he isn't struggling, however. Last episode contained the famous scene in which Krishna becomes annoyed with Arjun's reluctance, and he decides to kill Bhishma and everyone else by himself. According to legend, this is when Krishna decides to bend the rules. He had promised not to take up arms in this battle, so he finds a loophole in that oath. Instead of taking up arms against his tormentors, Krishna instead grabs a loose chariot wheel and rushes at Bhishma, intending to clobber him with it. Arjun tries to prevent this because he knows that this interpretation of Krishna's oath is sophistry at best. Arjun only stops Krishna when he promises to stick to his dharma and fight. This is a lovely story, one of my favorites, and I've used a famous painting of this scene on my blog. I even made a funny animation using Flash in which Krishna's wagon wheel bounces off of Bhishma's head. Unfortunately, this story is just barely in the original. I checked Ganguly's Bombay and Calcutta recensions, and also the critical edition, and both agree that there was no chariot wheel, nor is there any mention made of Krishna's oath. In fact, we are left guessing as to what Arjun's motivation was for stopping Krishna at this point. In the original, Krishna gets annoyed, pulls out his Sudarshana Chakra, and moves to kill Bhishma and all the Karavas in an instant. Arjun doesn't explain why, he just races after his friend to prevent it. Certainly the best explanation is probably that Arjun did not want Krishna to violate his oath not to fight, but this is definitely not stated. Another reason for Arjun's behavior may be Krishna's injunction in the Gita, when he says it is better to do your own dharma poorly than to do someone else's dharma well. In this event, the death of Bhishma and defeat of the Karavas is ultimately Arjun's responsibility. To have Krishna intervene and do it for him would have been disastrous for his soul. It's funny how some of the best stories from the Mahabharata are not actually in the Mahabharata. I occasionally get messages from listeners telling me details they had heard as a child that turn out not to have been in the epic at all. I would propose that now that we have a trimmed down, minimalistic, critical edition, we should create a maximalist edition in which all those great legends, myths, and folktales get included as part of the great national epic. But getting back to the story, we left off on the night of the fourth day of battle. The Pandavas, despite their injuries and weariness, celebrated Bhima's success of that day. He had finally cashed in on his oath to kill his Karva cousins. He still had 86 to go, but 14 was a good start. The mood was not nearly so cheerful in the Karva camp. Duryodhana was absorbed in the elaborate duties of mourning required of the eldest brother. His troops were all traumatized by the sight of Bhima's supernatural slaughter that day and Arjun's exterminations of the day before. To reassure them and allow them a few hours of sleep, bright fires were lit all around the camp and guards were stationed at all sides, so that the foot soldiers need not fear the Pandava's supernatural talent for killing, at least for the night. Meanwhile, the story of the last couple of days really had King Dhritarashtra worried. He interrupted Sanjay's narration of the fifth day with a question. He said, I find it astonishing and terrifying that the Pandavas have inflicted so much damage against our side. This doesn't make any sense. Why is Bhishma having such a hard time against these boys? Why is it so difficult to kill these Pandavas? What's their trick? Did they learn some special magic? I cannot bear to hear how the enemy has again and again slaughtered my troops. Fate has singled me out for the worst punishment, to see the Pandavas inviolable while my sons are doomed to be slaughtered. 
I'm like a drowning man lost in a sea of sorrow. Sanjay said, Now, now, don't you remember that Vidor warned you all this would happen? But let me assure you, the Pandavas are not using magic. It's no trick. The sons of Pritha live and act righteously, and where there is righteousness, there is victory. And that is why the Pandavas are inviolable, whereas your sons are ill-natured and always intent on evil. They are cruel and vile in their deeds, and that is why they suffer losses in combat. Your sons have performed countless crimes against the sons of Pandu, but they have always been forbearing in return. The horrific fruit of all that evil has now ripened, and now you, along with your sons and allies, must now eat that fruit, since you did not heed the warnings of your well-wishers. It's funny, but your son asked the same question of Bhishma that night, as his brother's bodies were prepared for cremation. Duryodhana said to Bhishma, I have seen you and your generals fight in the past, and when you and Drona and Kripa and Ashvataman fight on the same side, there is no one who can stop you. So how is it that these young men, who spent their lives starving in the forest, are able to withstand your attack and even repulse our superior army? What is their trick? Bhishma said, I have told you this many times, but you won't listen, so listen to me now. Make peace with your cousins. Do that, and everyone, including yourself, will benefit. Together you will conquer the earth and enjoy all its riches. As for why you can't beat them, well, nobody can do that, and there never will be anyone who can defeat them, so long as they are protected by Krishna. And you do know who Krishna is, right? You realize that even Brahma, the creator of the universe, praises and honors Krishna as the universe's savior. It is Krishna who maintains the three worlds. He is everlasting and all-pervading. Krishna is the embodiment of victory, and where there is righteousness, there is Krishna. And where there is Krishna, there is victory. I have learned this from the great sages Rama Jamadagnya, Markandeya, Vyasa, and Narada. Knowing this by their divine authority, how is it that you do not revere and worship Vasudev? You have been repeatedly warned by the sages not to start a fight with Krishna and the Pandavas. But in your delusion, you failed to comprehend their meaning. I think you must be a cruel demon, shrouded in darkness and ignorance. That must be the reason you hate Krishna and Arjun so much. What loving human could possibly hate the divine Narnarayan? For once, Duryodhana seemed a bit intrigued by the idea that Arjun's drinking buddy might also be the supreme being incarnate. Bhishma, on the other hand, only became increasingly tired and dejected. He again encouraged Duryodhana to make peace with his cousins, and then went alone to his tent to prepare for the next day's fighting. At dawn of the fifth day, Bhishma arrayed his army in the formation resembling a crocodile, while Dristed Yumna on the other side picked an eagle formation, with Bhimasena at its beak. The two armies went at each other with their usual ferocity, but with fourteen of his brothers already dead, Duryodhana was losing faith in his commander. When Bhishma was fully occupied with the battle, Duryodhana sidled up to Drona and said, I can't believe my old grandfather is having so much trouble with these cowardly Pandavas. You have always been my teacher and ally, so please do something about this stalemate. Drona didn't bother to say anything. He just launched himself at full speed toward the battle lines, crashed right through the Pandavas' front line, and began wreaking havoc in the rear. Satyaki rushed to stop the rampaging Brahmin, but got an arrow through the shoulder for his efforts. Now Bhima, who was right at the front, was in real danger of being cut off from his allies. While he faced Bhishma's attack from the front, and Drona's arrows came from behind, Sikandin entered the breach in Bhima's defense. Old Bhishma didn't want to have anything to do with that cross-dressing transvestite, so he broke off and went looking for someone else to fight. The sight of mighty Bhishma hesitating before this young man unnerved Drona somewhat, and soon the situation was turned around. 
Now the Pandavas were on the offensive, and Drona was in real danger of getting cut off himself. Soon, Arjun and Bhishma were fully occupied in a duel, while Duryodhana led his brothers in an attempt to rescue Drona. Bhima could not resist the temptation, and he went right after his cousins, hoping to rid the world of a few more Karavas as soon as possible. The battle wavered like this on the razor's edge as the sun reached its zenith. Both sides wavered and felt as if they were about to break, while they also sensed victory might finally be in their grasp. This situation was soon transformed into a brutal slog. The reserves on both sides were fully committed, men were dying at an alarming rate, but neither side could advance against the other. Sikandin was perfectly aware of the effect he was having on his old nemesis, so he used it to his best advantage by appearing at the side of everyone Bhishma chose to attack. In each case, the old crew was compelled to break off fighting and find someone else to kill. Soon, the battle descended into a chaotic melee, with fighters squaring off briefly, then being carried off by the crowds to fight someone else. At one point, Arjun found himself facing Guru Drona's ill-fated son Ashvataman. Arjun struck the boy with a handful of arrows and was then confronted by Bhishma, so he broke off that duel to fight with his granduncle. Next, Bhimasena found himself facing that same wounded young Brahmin. Bhima saw a clear opportunity to finish the boy off right then, but then he reconsidered, thinking to himself, this is my guru's dear son and a Brahmin as well, thus he is doubly deserving of my respect. Bhima declined to kill Ashvataman and instead went looking elsewhere for people to kill. In that moment of hesitation, Duryodhana sent an arrow flying at Bhima that struck his helmet hard. This only enraged the Pandava, and in an instant he fired a hailstorm of iron-tipped arrows back at his cousin, embedding one of them squarely into Duryodhana's broad chest. As these belligerent cousins continued fighting like this, Krishna's kinsman Setyaki found himself nearly surrounded by a battalion of charioteers led by King Burishravas. I find Setyaki to be a bit of a mysterious character. He seems to come out of nowhere. In the book of Virata, where he appears for the first time and makes a speech in support of the Pandavas. Unlike the peripheral characters, like Dristid Yumna or Shalya, Setyaki has no backstory. Just before the war begins, he appears, is introduced as a cousin of Krishna's, and then becomes an important warrior in the Great War. So now, when he is cut off and nearly surrounded, we are told that he also has ten full-grown sons, all of whom are fighting with him at Kurukshetra. It is these ten sons who rode out to rescue their father from being encircled by his enemies. The boys rushed in and managed to kill or maim most of Burishrava's chariot fighters. Burishrava's himself was no slouch, however. Angry at seeing his best fighters all killed, he shot ten arrows that destroyed the bows of Setyaki's ten sons. Before the boys could react, another ten arrows came flying their way and decapitated all ten of Setyaki's sons. By now, the only survivors of that encounter were Burishravas and Setyaki. Screaming, Setyaki flung himself into the fight against the man who had just exterminated his offspring. He literally crashed his chariot head-on into his opponent's car, killing both teams of horses and shattering both chariots. They both jumped clear of the wreckage and continued fighting on foot. The pair fought relentlessly like this until well past sunset. All the other fighters had already turned in for the night, and finally, Bhima and Duryodhana had to ride out and physically detain their heroes and return with them to their respective camps. This was the last significant action of the fifth day. The only other action of note that afternoon was the extermination of an army of 25,000 soldiers. This vast force had been sent out with the specific order to kill Arjun and his son. 
Not a single soldier got out of that encounter alive. On the morning of day six, Yudhishthira directed his general to array the army using the crocodile formation. King Drupad and Arjun held the position of the two eyes, while Bhima stood in for the mouth. Bhishma responded to this formation by arraying his own army in the shape of a great bird. As soon as the first rays of dawn appeared in the sky, the two diminished armies flew at each other with as much violence as ever. The two armies remained evenly matched, so the battle lines did not budge all that morning. The two exceptions were the places where Bhim and Arjun led the attack. At those positions, the Karvas found themselves being slowly but steadily pushed back on themselves. Duryodhana tried to remedy this by sending his brothers to firm up the lines before Bhima's attack. The sight of so many cousins in one place had the opposite effect, however, and Bhima impatiently jumped off his chariot, leapt clear over the heads of the Karva infantry, and landed among a gaggle of his Dardarastra cousins. Of course, Bhimasena had made a huge tactical mistake. Now he was on foot and completely surrounded by his enemies. Perceiving the situation he was in, Bhima let out a mighty roar and swung his cudgel in wide arcs to keep back his hordes of attackers. On the other side of the battle lines, Dristid Yumna heard the familiar roar and went looking for his brother-in-law. What he found was an empty chariot with Bhima's forlorn driver, Vishoka, sitting there nervously, awaiting the return of his master. The Pandava commander inquired of Vishoka what had happened to Bhima. The driver replied, saying, all I know is that he caught a glimpse of his cousins grouped on the enemy's side, and he told me to wait here while he rids the world of some vermin. Then he leapt right over the heads of the soldiers and disappeared in a crowd of enemy fighters. Dristid Yumna then peered across beyond the enemy lines and was able to make out a trail of corpses leading to a great tumult occurring near the enemy camp. He said, I've been entrusted with the safekeeping of the Pandava army, and I could never face them if Bhima were to get killed. I'd sooner die fighting than face that. So saying, he whipped his horses into a full gallop and crashed through the enemy lines in support of his brother-in-law. Relying entirely on the speed and momentum of his charge, Dristid Yumna burst through the circle of attackers surrounding Beam and helped him climb onto his chariot. While Beam had been relieved somewhat by Dristid Yumna's arrival, now both of them were surrounded. The Karavas now had two great prizes in their grasp, so they redoubled their effort to trap and kill the pair. Dristid Yumna still had a trick up his sleeve. He produced a magic stupefaction spell and set it off in the midst of the fight, blasting the wits out of their attackers and leaving them lying unconscious on the ground. Old Drona happened to be nearby, however, and he was able to counter the spell quickly enough, and soon the Karva fighters were back on their feet and back in the fight. By now, Yudhishthira was missing his brother and general, and he sent his sons, led by Abhimanyu, to seek out and rescue his lost brothers. Using his keen senses, Abhimanyu soon discovered the whereabouts of his uncles. He had ordered his cousins to form a tight wedge, and they pierced the enemy lines and swiftly joined up with Bhima and Dristid Yumna. This second rescue attempt was successful. The rest of the Pandava army were able to follow into the breach made by Abhimanyu, and soon they were all reunited into a single battlefront. Through all of this, Bhima had hardly moved, so intent he was in killing his cousins. He specifically focused his attack on cousin Duryodhana, killing his horses, piercing him with arrows, and finally shooting down his proud banner. As the gem-encrusted banner of the king of the Kurus fell heavily to the ground, the king himself fainted with exhaustion and blood loss. Jayadratha of Sindh, no friend of Bhima's, raced over to Duryodhana's aid, loaded him onto his own chariot, and delivered him to safety. 
seeing that part of the battle lines beginning to falter, Bhishma raced over to stem the tide. In an explosion of arrows and violence, Devavrata soon put a stop to the Pandava's advance. As luck would have it, the sun set just as the Pandava soldiers were beginning to falter. Only then did Dristadyumna realize he had survived the ordeal. He and Bhima embraced each other warmly and returned to their camp in good spirits. Well, that's it for day six. Thanks for listening. 